Since when does sharing Christianity jeopardize national security? Well, that's the claim in Turkey, as the government continues to press hard against those who are Christians in what was not long ago a moderate Islamic country. Just last month, David Bile, a Canadian-American Christian, filed a deportation complaint with the European Court of Human Rights. He was forced out of Turkey after 19 years of evangelistic work in the land where the Apostle Paul planted some of the very first churches. Then this month, a married couple, one American, the other German, are facing deportation after 25 years of Christian ministry in the country. They've committed no crimes, they've created no disturbances, but they stand accused of being traitors to society. At least 30 Christian missionaries were barred from entering the country last year. Tourist dollars are welcome, but you can't stay. Still, the gospel goes forth bearing fruit, and where the good news is suppressed, the more it thrives. Welcome to Haven Today. Here it is Friday. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're wrapping up a series today called Eternity Before Us. A bruised reed he will not break. Puritan Richard Sibbs was adamant about this point. Yes, Christians can be greatly bruised in this life. Missionaries can be kicked out of countries. Some may even lose their lives. Day to day, our health might fail. Relationships can be hard. Jobs can be lost. And yes, we can even fall into sin. But the Puritans understood that if they knew Jesus Christ, his grace as well as his forgiveness, then their lives were forever secure in him and never truly broken. In a moment, we're going to hear two stories. Thomas Cranmer, an English reformer, he stood for the gospel, waffled a bit, but ultimately gave his life for Christ. And his example, along with many who lived through the Reformation, helped inspire the time of the Puritans to live for Jesus in all that they did, no matter the cost. Stay with me. I know the story of Cranmer and also Richard Sibbs will bring you great hope today. After the program, I'd like to send you a copy of the new documentary called Puritan, All of Life to the Glory of God. We've heard from so many who are looking forward to watching this featured-length film in their church or in a Sunday school class, and even with kids who are still at home from school. Take a look at the trailer that we have online and see how visually stunning this movie is. Yes, it will hold your attention, the attention of both young and old alike. But more importantly, it'll remind you how Christ is always watching over his church and building his kingdom, even in the most difficult of times. It's a God-entranced heart and a God-entranced stomach and a God-entranced ears and eyes and all of life and experience is God in entranced. And they saw this is the joy and good news we're made for. And therefore, this is truth worth living and worth dying for. And if we are not ready and willing to lay down our lives for the truth of God, then not only is God being dishonored, people's eternal lives are being imperiled. A couple of clips from the film called Puritan all of life to the glory of God. We'll hear more from that later in the program. And then you can call us and make your gift to support the ministry at 800-654-2836. 
800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website and watch an extended trailer for Puritan. And you could make your gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And yes, we still have copies of Dane Ortland's Gentle and Lowly book and audiobook for your gift as well. If you're yearning to know the heart of Christ better, then you need to read this book or listen to it right away. And now let's open the program with the Christian Irish group, Rend Collective. When I stand accused by my regrets And the devil roars his empty threats I will preach the gospel to myself That I am not a man condemned For Jesus Christ is my defense My sin is nailed to the cross My soul the scars, the weight of guilt, I bear no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. When the doubt and shame hang over me, like the arrows of the enemy, I will run again to Calvary. That rugged hill of hell's defeat My fortress and my victory My sin is nailed to the cross My soul is healed by the stars The weight of guilt I bear no more Praise the Lord, praise the Lord My sin is
with a song called Nailed to the Cross. That was Rend Collective opening Haven today. And our final program here on this Friday called Eternity Before Us. I'm Charles Morris. All week we've been learning from the Puritans. No, not the black-robed, angry, harsh Puritans you may be familiar with from novels and movies, but real, flesh-and-blood, passionate Puritans who were Christians. The Puritans understood our fallen nature, and they understood what it means to be forgiven. They were serious about sin because they were serious about grace. And that's why we've been able to learn so much from them. They saw all of life as intimately connected to their Savior, all of life as centered on the glory of the Lord. I asked my friend Dane Ortland about the Puritans and their ability to diagnose the soul. They were true uh, wrestlers with the Bible and with theology, and they were simply unparalleled. They were without peer when it comes to taking my fallen human heart in one hand and the, the biblical truth of the gospel as given to us in the scripture in the other hand and building bridges between the two. They were neither purely just theoretical, you know, dogmaticians, that just theologians uh, handling the Bible like a, la- a scientist with a white lab coat on the one end, nor were they purely interested only in uh, sort of therapeutic self-help or something like that on the other. No, it was my real life, my fallen heart, and the biblical gospel given to us in Scripture. They knew how to connect the two. They knew how our hearts work in a way that sometimes you, you read um, stuff today by pastors and theologians, and you just think, this is, this is not connecting with my real-time life. And the actual doubts, struggles, anguish, shame, regret that I am seeking to navigate day in and day out. The Puritans got it, uh, Bunyan, Sibs, Goodwin, Owen, and others. So I've really just dabbled in those writers, but uh, I have gotten addicted to them because they are able to apply the gospel to my heart in a way that very few others can. Pastor Dane Ortland, the author of Gentle and Lowly, talking about his appreciation of the Puritans. When I read his book, I was pleasantly surprised at the amount of encouraging quotes that pointed us to the loving heart of Jesus from their works. Now, this shouldn't surprise us, as Dane just told us, The Puritans were unrivaled in their ability to connect our fallen nature to the gospel of life. They understood sin and the corrupting influence of sin. And perhaps no one understood that as well as Thomas Cranmer. But he had to learn this lesson firsthand. He was one of the first in England to take the Protestant Reformation home in the 1500s. He was determined to see God do in his country, England, what God was doing in Germany and the rest of Europe. He was the Archbishop of Canterbury, a highly respected position and very influential in the Church of England. And he was making significant inroads. The church was growing under his leadership, and he was seeing the Lord bless his work. But then it started. King Henry VIII was desperate for a divorce. Church law was clear. This was not possible. But the king was determined to find a way. Cranmer had kept a close relationship with Thomas Cromwell, the king's advisor. And when the king finally charged Anne Boleyn with treason, it was Cranmer who was summoned to hear her confession. Cranmer was not convinced, but Cromwell and King Henry moved ahead with the execution. 
What followed was a series of laws and ordinances that radically changed the church in England, and Cranmer hid in the background. The once committed reformer of the church against corruption had let the fear of man and his prestige to blind him. And eventually, after a long political career of defending and justifying the acts of his king, Thomas Cranmer renounced his Reformation commitment. Under threat of death, he signed a statement with his own hand that it was a joy to renounce it, to return to the church as it was before. It's a tragic reminder that we, as humans, are fickle. Cranmer was a giant and was leading the church in the right direction, but fear and pride and power changed him over time. It is a reminder for those of us listening, all of us, that we are not above any kind of sin, but the road there is gradual. Cranmer's story is a reminder of something else, the grace of God to restore us even when we've committed terrible sin. This was not the end of Cranmer. He was set to be executed. Even though he had recanted his views and returned to the church, Queen Mary was determined to make an example of him. But before the end, he was to make one final speech, recanting in public for all to hear. The speech seemed to be going just as planned until Cranmer made a sudden change. He took it all back. He recanted his recantation. He proclaimed the gospel of Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, one more time. The flames were already lit. He was about to be burned at the stake. Cranmer made one last move, his hand, the same hand that had renounced his faith and had written ill against his people and against his Lord. He plunged into the flames first. He had come to see just how distorted his view was, and he was ready to see his Lord. His final words came from the book of Acts, the martyrdom of Stephen. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. I see heaven opened up and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I'll never forget seeing that place where he was burned. I was sitting having lunch at Blackwell's bookstore, and there someone pointed out to me in the street, in the middle of a little street in downtown Oxford, it's dark, it's black. It marks the spot where Cranmer was burned. Cranmer's story is a Puritan story. It's a story that reminds us of sin and the need we all have to take it most seriously. He was an academic. He was also a politician. But if there's anything in the story of the Puritans that teaches us, it's this. We need preachers. In all the Puritans' precision and their academic brilliance, they did it all for the preaching of the gospel. Cranmer needed gospel preaching day in and day out, and so do we. So it's fitting that we turn to another Puritan, not one who was marked by his genius in writing or his skills in administrating, but one who, Charles Spurgeon said, casts pearls and jewels with both hands. Richard Sibbs was a preacher. And the new documentary, called Puritan, does a fine job explaining who he was and where he came from. Sibbs uh, grew up in a normal home. His father was a, a well-to-do-ish working man. Sibbs was given uh, first uh, a chance to be a workman like his dad, but he wasn't that good with the tools. But he was really good at school. 
So they sent him to school more than they normally did to kids that, in that day. And he got a sponsor then that took him to St. John's College in Cambridge, where he was a student uh, from 1593 until he graduated. And then he became a fellow of the college and fellows of the college couldn't marry. And then he became a senior fellow, which means he's there and he makes money. And in that role, that was his adult life. He taught. His power came not in the originality of his thought. He was not a theological clarifier in the way, say, William Perkins was or William Ames. Uh, Sibbs was very much used by God as a popular orator. Uh, He apparently had a stutter when he spoke, which tended, I think, to make him speak in small phrases rather than sort of John Owen long Latinate sentences that have dependent clause after dependent clause. Sibbs is putting things briefly and, and therefore pithily often. I think his power, kind of like Whitfield's in a later century, was in his presentation of the truth. Uh, it was said that um, hardened sinners around Cambridge would deliberately avoid going to hear Sibs for fear they would get converted, whereas the bruised sinners called him the honey-mouthed, the sweet dropper, because of the sheer sweetness of how he proclaimed the beauty and glory and graciousness of Christ. A segment from the new documentary called Puritan that we have for your gift today. Richard Sibbs was not known for his academic work, even though he was brilliant. He was a preacher, and it is his legacy as a preacher that sticks with us even today. His most popular book, The Bruised Reed, is an adaptation of sermons he gave on Isaiah 42. It was written for Christians like you and me, Christians who struggle along the way and face temptations to doubt the Lord's goodness. Towering preachers like Richard Baxter and much leader Martin Lloyd-Jones both found comfort in this little book, which was first published in 1630. The main text, Isaiah 42, 3 and 4. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. A bruised reed he will not break. Richard Sibbs was adamant on this point. Many Christians live a bruised life. We've been betrayed by a friend or abused by someone we love. We've sinned and we've lost friends. Our health fails us. Our finances are on the brink. We live bruised lives. Yet Richard Sibbs would not let this point escape us. Jesus Christ will not ever break a bruised reed. He is gentle with us, kind to us. The smoldering wick of our faith that's down to its final flickers, he will never snuff it out. Instead, by his grace and by his strength, he fans that little faith we have into a flame and a roaring fire. He welcomes us in, he supports us in our weakness, and he powerfully reaches us where we need him. In all our attempts to live life for the glory of the Lord, many of us face the temptation to be more severe and harsh with ourselves and with others. Our sin brings us lower and lower. But listen to Richard Sibbs as he reminds us of the tender mercy and compassion of our Savior. He binds up the brokenhearted 
as a mother is tenderest toward the most diseased and the weakest child, so does Christ most mercifully incline to the weakest. This is Jesus, a tender king who binds up the weakest and the most destitute. If you are feeling weak, bruised, brokenhearted, then you are exactly where Jesus wants you to be. This is the kind of preaching we need still today. Preaching that reminds us of our weakness and reminds us that we have a strong Savior. With eternity before us, this is what we need. Not a new idea, not a convoluted doctrine, but a strong Savior who will never fail us or leave us. He is always with us. He told us that even to the end of the age. Oh God, your thoughts for us outnumber stars above and grains of sand upon the shore. The outcast finds their place in your amazing grace. The anxious heart can rest ashore. That you'll never leave my son, you'll never turn away. I'm confident in this, your faithfulness. You'll never leave my son, you'll never turn away. I'm confident in this, your faithfulness. Austin Stone Worship, your thoughts for us here on Haven Today. And the final day in our series called Eternity Before Us. Earlier in the program, we heard a couple of excerpts from the new documentary called Puritan, All of Life to the Glory of God. We've all heard that word Puritan, but what do we know about these people? As you heard earlier on the program, Puritans had a big vision of God because they had experienced the joy of living with him. 
They asked the same questions that we're still asking today. How do I live for Jesus in a world that's far from him? How do I stay faithful with so many temptations? When you watch this beautifully shot film, you'll see how they answered those questions and many more. Their story in this documentary is told by Bible teachers and theologians, some of the best of our day. They'll uplift you, and they'll bring you the encouragement that you need right now. So would you make your gift to the ministry, Haven Today, and we'll send you this double DVD set that includes the two-hour documentary, and a bonus DVD with many extras and a digital download link. Our number to call right now is 800 Six, five, four, twenty-eight, thirty-six, eight hundred, sixty-five Haven, or visit our website and watch an extended trailer for Puritan. You can also make your gift there online at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And just before we have to go, we heard from Dane Ortland earlier in the program as well. If you'd like a copy of his Gentle and Lowly book, either in hardback or the audio version, we can send it to you for your gift as well. This book helped me and so many I know better understand the heart of Jesus. I know it will bless you as well. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Have a great weekend. Won't you come back with me next Monday? And again, we'll gather together and we'll celebrate together the great story. That's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Why do good things happen to bad people? That's the question that Psalm 10 asks so forcefully. The wicked, as he calls them, ignore the Lord, break his law, and mistreat the poor. Yet he prospers and lives long. He even says in his heart, God will never notice. How should we process this? Psalm 10:14 gives the answer. The Lord sees the trouble of the afflicted. He is king forever. The wicked might get away with it now, but not when he returns. Christ's justice will make all things right. Those that commit their lives to him may suffer now, but he will rescue them in the end. He defends us and will bring us to glory. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.